Sweet as Honey, the podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Sweetest Honey Podcast. We're your hosts, Tiffany and Allison. And we're so excited to be back. Yes, it's, it's about been, damn time. Yeah, it's been a while since we've been gone. Um, wow. Babe, do you want to talk about some of the things that have happened since our last episode? In- no, just kidding. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so we took a break because we had a death in the family and then had to quarantine uh, after being around people. And uh, we're just trying our best to protect everyone that we possibly can, including ourselves. And uh, just mentally, we weren't, weren't ready to do that. So taking a break helped. I'm super excited to be back. You mentioned that you were... Uh, kind of nervous when you started this. You were like, "Why am I? Why am I nervous?" And I was like, "Well, because we haven't done it in so long." Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it know. just felt a little weird to be behind the mics again. Yeah, um, but we're back, and you know, we've of course been having a lot of conversations mm-hmm. in our own house, just between you know, you and I, um, about the socio political climate right now. Ooh. Like right now, we've got coronavirus, COVID-19, mm-hmm. that bitch, whatever you want to call her. Um, I don't know why we have gendered her, but Corona um, does sound very much like a lady's name um, or like a very sassy drag queen. Like if I ever got in a drag, I would want to be like Miss Corona. Like hmm. Corona also means crown in Spanish, just so you know. Um, so I wonder if that has anything to do with the shape maybe of if you look at the virus under a microscope, the way that they look or anything like that. I don't know. Could just be um, me thinking too much into things. But um, and then, of course, like Black Lives Matter, you know, that entire movement is going on right now. Like it feels like we've entered into another period of civil rights. And, you know, it's really, really different now than, of course, when your parents have lived through that, you know, early in their lives. And you know, now we've got the internet that's there. The internet is shining light to things that we wouldn't see or hear about necessarily without it. Um, Social media has played a huge, huge role, not in just in getting information, but in gathering and just coming together and like fellowship and things Mm -hmm. like that. So it's bringing a lot of awareness. It's letting you know what's going on with these things, what's happening with the officers. There are so many like electronic petitions that I've signed to bring justice for these people that have been killed. And, um, you know, like for Breonna Taylor, Breonna Taylor, in case you guys did not know, was murdered on March 13th, 2020. So it's not like this was a new thing. You're not just hearing about those, um, And only one of those officers, who is Brett Hankinson, was fired from his job, but still there were three officers. Mm -hmm. And those officers' names... Hang on just a second. uh, So we already talked about... um, Brett. You also have Jonathan Mattingly and Miles Cosgrove. None of the three have been arrested. Nope. And just so you know, it was a complete accident that, you know, it was like a freak accident that they just ended up at her apartment. She was asleeping and they shot her to death in her sleep inside of her home. Um, So this is, of course, not something that's just now happening. It's not anything new. Like, it's been like that since dark people have been on this continent. Like, that's how it's been. I mean, that's the nature of this. You want to talk about your founding fathers. People want to talk about making America great. Um, America has always been racist. America has always used black and brown people to do the labor that they didn't want to do this country has been built on the blacks of back on the blacks of black people um, on the backs of black people and on the backs of you know the indigenous people to this area and you know it's 
everybody's aware of that and everybody is like we have had enough and of course with that there's been like this resurgence almost of more videos and more media of these super super like aggressively racist people doing these really like overtly racist things so it's people that are just going out and just yelling the n-word and telling people to go back to their country and getting bold and getting in people's (sighs) faces And I will just go ahead and say, like, I am not a violent person, but at the same time, like, sometimes that's the only way to get your point across. So I understand when people are getting into these altercations with people or if I'm seeing a video where somebody says something that maybe they shouldn't and they get punched in the mouth for it, I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh, like, violence is never the answer. I'm going to be like, sometimes that's the lesson that a bitch needs to learn in order to do what she needs to do. Right. You know what I'm saying? So... Oh my god. And gosh. maybe Karen will think twice before she uh, tries to speak her piece or again. Or she can get hit again, bitch. Or she can say it again with a lisp because she is missing teeth. <laughs> I'm fine with 100% of that yeah. or whatever. So it's just been a really, really heartbreaking time. Um, y'all know I, you know, do the Sweetest Honey podcast, but I have recently been like, I am saying like a lot of things that maybe I don't necessarily need to tag Allison's name to because I'm not really gonna face any like reprimands for that or anything like that so like everything is just like I am one half of the sweetest honey podcast or this is Tiffany and Allison is my wife and of course like this can be our platform for those things because of course um just at our household in general those could be my beliefs but the way that I choose to express those beliefs or share those opinions may not necessarily be the most politically correct um yeah but I think about like your professional yeah i and i appreciate your thought on that Mm -hmm. um that being said you know if someone were to fire me or if i were to be fired for the current from my current company because of something that you said or beliefs that i co-sign on Mm -hmm. i don't want to work for them anyway yeah so more power to you (laughs) well thank you um i've also removed like all ties to said company from Mm -hmm. all of my social media gotcha uh intentionally before I made any posts so that they couldn't say that it was, you know, I was posting on behalf of them or anything gotcha. like that. Okay. Well, so, good for you. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know that. Cause you know, girl, I do not. Whew, no, I know. Social media has been active lately. So yeah. And it's um, a lot. It is um, a lot. How a- are you feeling? Like what's your, just in your heart and your feelings? Like how, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Um, I feel overwhelmed a lot of the time mm-hmm. because they're so, many videos now and things coming to light and showing that this is such a normal thing for black people Mm -hmm. um that it really just is breaking (laughs) breaking me down internally and emotionally because um you know like i I was so oblivious to a lot of it and Mm -hmm. it makes me feel complicit and it makes me feel guilty and it makes me feel um terribly for not having stood up before now to Mm -hmm. even say that this is a thing or to even not realize some of the experiences that you've had as a black woman Mm -hmm. um versus those same experience that i've had as a white woman Mm -hmm. and how different they are right y'all can hear the puppies in the background for a second maybe they'll settle down and if they won't we'll just we'll handle it so i mean but more importantly how are you handling all of this i'm doing i'm i'm doing um, <laughs> I'm doing. It's a really weird time to be an empath right now. 
Um, it's a really just bizarre time in general. Yeah. It's a weird time to be queer. It's a weird time yeah. to be black. It's a just a weird time. Like everything just kind of feels <laughs> it's it's a lot. Um, yeah. I feel overwhelmed a lot. Uh, I'm like obsessed with my brother and like knowing where he yeah. is and like knowing that he's okay. And I'm just like, where are you? Yeah. Because guys like my brother is... I look at my brother and I'm just like, what a handsome dude. Like, I think he's sweet and kind and funny and clever and hardworking mm-hmm. and that he just likes to relax and that he would give the shirt off of his back. He loves big. That's what I think about when I see him. But I know when other people see him, they see a big black man right. who's probably up to no good and doing this and that or whatever. And he lives in a rural area in mm-hmm. um, southeastern mm-hmm. Georgia. And well, southwestern Georgia, well, like central-ish Georgia, whatever. Um, and he, I worry about the area yeah. that he's in. He has expressed some things to me even before like Black Lives Matter really started to like boom this year. And um, I just, I worry. Like it just yeah. it freaks me out to think about him leaving his job and going home. Yeah. Or if he stops off to see, because we have some unofficial family in that area who it, it's a family of white people. Mm-hmm. You know, we've known, um, we call her our aunt. We have known her since... <laughs> way before my grandfather died so Mm. this had to have been when we were maybe let's see pop-pop died when i was 12 and we might have lived there for a couple years before so when we were like 10 and 5 maybe Mm. and she has always been there she's always checked on us she's always been around and now that they live closer he feels comfortable and safe in her presence yeah but just because he feels safe and comfortable there doesn't mean that the other people in her neighborhood or area feel comfortable with him being there yeah so i'm always thinking about my brother and like where he is and hearing from him and you know of course like I always you know reach out to him we are always in contact but I know and I'm sure he's noticed it it's like almost daily yeah you know we might have talked before a couple times a week yeah so you're trying to find that that balance of not being too overbearing to him Mm -hmm. on being like where are you are you safe are you like that sort of thing but to also he understands why you're doing it right and I don't even care much about like being over like yeah I'm not gonna overbear because I don't really smother anybody I feel like I try to give everybody space to like do their thing yeah but I'm just like the contact is more frequent yeah and like if he doesn't respond you know he might feel that my yeah. response to that is disproportionate with what's going on but he's done really really well with just being like hey sis I'm here I'm yeah. sorry I didn't reach out like you know I just got really we're, we're tired right. after work yeah. last night whatever so yeah um it's been interesting to see the shift in like even my parents' mentalities and st- stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just it's it's crazy. I just want everybody to be safe. Yeah. Um, and then there's like all of the other stuff going on with that. You know, it's of course like as black people, this isn't new for us. It's really fucked up to, to go onto social media, to go onto Instagram, even if all I want to do is look at puppies and kitty cats, and to see people being murdered or Jeez. to see these really, really graphic, right. violent videos. So I'm really hoping that what that's doing is bringing awareness to people that this is a problem. Like it's it's an issue like it is is really a it happens we're not making it up you know when you think about like the population of African Americans in the in this country black people in this country and how many of them make up for the prisoners in our you know um in the not prison system but in the criminal justice 
sure that I don't okay. I don't know what I was trying to say with that but you think about that and how disproportionately like high those numbers right. are with what re- is reflective of our actual population and things like that so I'm right. hoping that this information coming out and people being more vocal about that you can't escape it like there's very little that you can do right now unless you just want to turn your TV off not go anywhere not look at social media turn your like throw your phone away throw your television in the trash not be friends with anybody with any common sense and just only talk to your old white grandpa and y'all just talk about everything that he might have been just watching on Fox News. This shit is happening. Like black people are being killed. Black people are being targeted and they're being killed, period. Now, (laughs) the new, not enemy, but it's almost like either like shit or get off the pot. I am completely done. I have no compassion. I have no patience for anybody that is wanting to defend that. I don't have any patience or compassion or sympathy for anybody that's going around screaming about how all lives matter. I don't have the passion, the compassion or sympathy or anything like that for anyone that's doing anything except for what our cause is. If you want to argue that Black Lives Matter is about Black supremacy and how Black people are trying to take over and brainwash you and do all this other weird conspiracy theory shit, I don't have the patience to be trying to educate those people and let them know what's going on I don't I'm really tired of having to defend a human stance on black people yeah and when you think about the origins that are you know and and we can get into this like maybe we can do like a research episode or something like that where like you and I just like take a week and just research like the way that black people have been treated the way that black people have been policed what the original purpose of the police was originally um, and, you know, things of the like just for the treatment of black people in this country from the time that we've been brought over to present and see all of the nuances and the similarities between then and between now and how much there is to be unlearned by us as a society. Yeah. So um, that's how I feel. I have a lot of feelings all of the time. A lot of my feelings are anger. Um, A lot of my feelings are frustration and Mm -hmm. despair. And it hurts me and it causes me pain to see other people in pain. I cry on a regular basis when I'm on. Like you came to the room the other day and I was just like bawling in the bed. And you're like, are you okay? I'm just like, yeah, I was just watching the video. And he was just a good guy, you know, like. And I have moments like that, like so often. Because I can't imagine, like, guys, I'm telling y'all, if anything happens to my brother, like, when I tell y'all I don't love another man that's ever walked this earth as much as I love him, if anything were to happen, because you've got some trigger happy piece of shit cop that pulls him over, and I promise you it won't be for anything except for maybe he sped, you know what I mean? Rolled through a stop sign. Right, you know, and probably not even that. He was just speeding, like, that's it. Like, he will stop at stop signs and stop lights and, you know, whatever. But then my brother's recently been talking about, I need to start running again. And I'm like, oh shit, that does, should we find a treadmill? You know what I'm saying? Right, like, can you run in place? crazy shit that I never would have had to think about as often I guess I don't know it's it's hard and everybody is so completely like one side or the other Mm -hmm. um just like absolutely polarized and I still I I just don't understand it Mm -hmm. and it's nationwide like I would have thought that this would have been a you know a hot button button issue in the south especially Mm -hmm. but 
we're seeing the racism across the whole fucking country. Because racism exists all over the country. I know. I know. It exists. Know. It is prominent. But now something else that 45 has, I don't know, like people feel so empowered to like embrace their racism and embrace their bigotry and embrace being pieces of shit. And I love that, that those are the people that rally around this asshole. Yes. And... I just really need the honeybees to understand like you guys, like if y'all are planning to vote for 45 and make him 46, like it is literally an act of violence against lesbian people, bisexual people, gay people, trans people, anybody that does not fit into the binary of, you know, cisgendered heteronormativity. Like it is an act of violence against us because he has let it be known in so many different ways that like he is not with it. If it does not serve him, he's not with it. And unfortunately, like he is not a fan of the black people. He is not a fan of the queer people. And that's okay. He's a piece of shit. But I just need you guys to understand that. And also understand the fact that, you know, advocacy goes beyond just like posting on social media. If all that you're doing is posting on social media, I will go ahead and tell you that that's not enough. Um, And, you know, that's why we came back so like, well, not we, but I came back so aggressively political, I feel like on and I was expecting to really see not even that I have, a, you know, we don't our podcast doesn't even have a 1000 followers on Instagram, which is fine. Like, it's really not a big deal. I care more about the listening numbers than I do on the engagement on Instagram. But if there's more that you want to see, feel free to go follow sweetesthoney.love on Instagram if you'd like. (laughs) Um, But, you know, also on Twitter, like everything just for me has been so um, politicized, even though it's not a political issue. I'm just a human being being like, stop fucking killing us. Please don't fucking kill my brother. Please don't fucking kill my mom. Please don't kill my grandmother. If I go to the hospital and I tell you that I'm hurting, please listen to me. Like... It's not really political, but it feels pseudo-political to a lot of people, uh, white people. Um, Sorry. No, not you. And, you know, that's something else that I want to talk about. So right now for this series, my goal and focus, our goal and our focus, what we have discussed moving forward for the foreseeable future is that it is going to be a lot of these issues, but it's going to be brought to you in like an educational, a real and honest and authentic way. And also just in like a way that people have a conversation. So maybe we can have a discussion and something about that discussion will resonate with you as a listener, especially if you're a white listener. I'm hoping that these things like penetrate and get in your brain and kind of sort some things out for you. Or if you decide that you maybe are not a good guy and that's not what you want to do, great, good riddance, goodbye. Like, I don't, I'm not going to be here to try to like drag you over to my side of the fence. If you want to be a piece of shit, do you please just go ahead and don't affiliate with us. That's completely fine. I'm 100% here for it. Great, awesome, whatever. So that's the goal moving forward is just, I'm a human and black people are humans and life is hard for us here. And now a whole lot of white people get to see why it's hard for us here. Yeah. Firsthand, because it's not just about us getting murdered. It's also the freaking school system to prison pipeline. It's so many different things that y'all have to realize is ingrained in our culture and ingrained in the way that you interact with us. Um, So that brings me to our word of the day. And today's word of the day is defund, as in defund the police. So I know that you guys have seen this before. (laughs) And I know that a lot of people are confused about what that means. So defund, just breaking down the word defund, it just means to like divest or like take away. So instead of investing all of your money and resources into the police, all that we're going to do is just take some of that money and 
sprinkle it out, <laughs> maybe invest it in other places. We're going to reallocate those funds to go to non-policing um forms of public safety. So that can be like social work, housing, education. Um, I worked for a domestic violence shelter for about three years before Allison and I met and mm -hmm. were married. Um, that, you know, that is just a complete nonprofit and it operates off of funding. So if somebody's in an abusive marriage, for whatever reason, they're in an abusive relationship, for whatever reason, there is a place for them to be able to go. If um, and then there's like a whole other, if you just guys wanted to just type in crisis services of North Alabama, just as an example, CSNA, like crisis services of North Alabama. Um, and you can just go and look at all of the different resources that they offer. If somebody was sexually assaulted, that's not necessarily always a police issue. And an issue that I remember hearing quite often from new clients was that police were not being sympathetic with them. They were being really hard, really callous. They felt really uncomfortable and judged. Mm -hmm. So then they would have a sexual assault nurse and it's the SAIL program, kind of like you sail a boat, S-A-I-L. And I forget exactly what SAIL was the acronym for I don't remember the I and the L part but um I just remember that there would be a nurse that was there you could go to that nurse and speak with that nurse and they work alongside law enforcement so these are just a couple examples of ways that um defunding the police you know just as an entity mm. could still work for the community because when you think about it everything's not a police issue it's not um I don't necessarily feel like um even like traffic guards or like traffic police why should they be armed like um I would understand if maybe they were armed with something that wasn't a lethal weapon right but I'm just like if all that you're doing is pulling people over for rolling through stop signs and things like that I don't understand how these situations escalate you have people that are not I, and I, I think that it's an issue all the way around right because of course like as a police officer you're not signing up to like go and hang out in the street and be a crossing guard like that's not what you want to do maybe you want to be like where the action is and chasing things down and be the DEA or whatever your vision is I hope it wasn't fucking genocide but maybe that's not what they're signing up for and it's some resentment built into what's going mm -hmm. on it's going into the hiring process and really making sure that you're screening these people for mental issues making sure like there's just more that we need to be doing to protect people before they're put into a position to where they have this power and authority over right. other people and um so yeah i mean that just just a few things to yeah. think about um, so it's not abolishing the, the police system is not what they're asking right. for. It's more of, hey, let's get more uh, people in there that should be who have been trained on this mm -hmm. and are, you know, have gone to school to deal with these exact situations right. and have experience mm -hmm. with that versus you need to go out for A every domestic for dispute. You need to go out for animal abuse. You need mm -hmm. to go out for all of these different things when it's really just the police were should have been built to attend to violent escalated crimes mm -hmm. like as they're happening right. not social things or psychological things mm -hmm. or anything like that that's why you have different people with different fields of expertise mm -hmm. who should be there to handle those versus that and even without having the proper training for handling these people you could right. make that situation so much worse if you're dealing yeah. with somebody that's having you know they're dissociated or you know they're schizophrenic yeah. and maybe they're speaking to you know an, an altar yep. or something like that police 
officers are not equipped to deal with these things. You need a mental, you know, maybe you have a psychiatrist or a psychologist that'll be able to go alongside those people or even go to talk them down first and they can call in law enforcement or another entity right. to come in and take care of that person instead. That was also an incident that happened with another police officer. It was somebody that... um was just like, I'm just different. Like, I'm not weird. I don't do anything. Like, I don't even eat animals. I'd never heard a fly, things like that. But, you know, and then what about deaf people? What about people that can't see? What about people that can't hear? People that don't communicate the same way that you do. And if they start to like flail their hands because you've got a gun to their head, but that's the way that they communicate. And I don't feel like right now, like the police, the American police, as we know them, the entire country, like they're not equipped to deal with all of these situations that they need to be dealing with or anything like that. It's a lot. And my thing is that when we're pouring all of these money and all of this resources, all of this money and all of these resources into just this one bucket, hoping that Mm. they'll be able to just spread it out and all that they're doing is fucking killing people. It's a lot of things that we need to be looking over and reevaluating. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Uh, I had a similar conversation with my sister, um, you know, last week, week before, Mm -hmm. and trying to... Um, teach her what we actually meant by defund the police Mm -hmm. and and to try to shine a little bit of light on that. And after the conversation, she was like, oh, I mean, I'm totally okay with that. And Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, no no shit. If you like read past all of these things. Oh no, that sounds bad. Defund, D means un, (sighs) fund means money. Take all the money away from the police. White panic. No, like that's not what we're trying to do. Like You all wanted to defund Planned Parenthood and you had a clear understanding of the word then Mm -hmm. so also tennessee tennessee for shame i cannot fucking believe that they passed another damn heartbeat law in the state of tennessee and i'm so sick of it and if you need to be driven to another state and you need a road trip buddy to get an abortion please email me at tiffany at sweetesthoney.love and we will figure out a way to get you there because it's bullshit and Friggin' being able to do what you want to do with your body is a human right. Yep. Nobody has the right to police you on what to do with your body and how to spend your money and just to act and have agency on your being. Like, it's fucking ridiculous. I'm so frustrated. Like, everybody is the enemy except for the people that actually are the enemy who are racists and murderers and just insane bigots and everything else that right now 45 has just really made the fuel behind his uh, political campaign and just the climate of this country overall so uh you know how we talk a lot about um how to be good allies and good things to do and how just posting on social media isn't enough y'all need to be having these conversations with your parents y'all need to be having these conversations with your husbands um because i do feel like in the south especially it is a very like um god man family type of dynamic hierarchy Mm. and right now we are what is it god country family yeah um whatever i don't subscribe to that shit that's silly but if that's the way that you believe it you know if you are you know in a cishet relationship and you are somehow married to somebody that is just doing what his daddy before him told him to do and his daddy before him and his before him and you're trying to evoke change and they're just not budging or anything like that these are the conversations that you need to be having with these people it's not the ones that you're just seeking out to have conversations with people that agree with you that's not doing anything like we're already on the same side so you can still be like donating money if you're in a financial position to where you can do that and it's completely okay if you're not we know that COVID-19 has really 
uh, thrown us all for a loop as far as work and our economy and um, things of the like are concerned. But if you're able to, there are bailout funds that you can donate to for the protesters to get them out of jail because of course everybody was being arrested. It was a whole big thing. Um, and then the families for these deceased people, you can help to, you know, there's so many GoFundMes for the families of Brianna Taylor and, um, you know, Ahmaud Aubrey. And we looked earlier today at like his and like they've raised like almost $2 million for this family, even though they only needed 100000 just yeah. for, you know, taking care of things that needed to be taken care of. I'm sure that they have got legal fees to pay for, yep. funeral arrangements to pay for, plots, headstones, all that, that of course, like such a young person, like nobody's thinking about doing that right now. And it's just really, really cool to see that outpour of support um, toward that family and to all of the families. So these are really, really easy ways. Education and white people i'm talking specifically with you and i'm gonna use my gentle black lady voice so that you cannot not hear me because you think i'm angry okay so movies like the help or other movies featuring a white savior are not the correct or appropriate movies to be watching to understand more about what's happening around you um, I'm not going to get into that right now, but we are going to also be looking up movies and books and text for you guys to be able to do right now. What I can leave you with is this. There is actually a Black Matters, a Black Lives Matter website that you can visit and it's blacklivesmatter.com. And on this website, you can hear my pages turning because I wrote this down. Um, there's information about taking action. There's information about donating to campaigns for justice. It goes immediately to the Black Lives Matter Global Network. There's COVID-19 stats and resources, especially because they might not necessarily be um, appropriately or reporting in a very timely manner. Uh, things that are happening specifically in Black communities and the fact that, you know, a lot of people in Black communities are at higher risk because a lot of them may not be aware of pre-existing conditions, mm -hmm. whether or not they have respiratory issues. Black people are afraid to go into the doctor. Remember earlier today when I said, hey, doctor, I think that something's wrong with me. Please don't kill me. Like, I just want help. Um, things like that. So this is why these resources are so important. They've got videos. There are petitions that you can sign for different laws and legislations. Um, Healing Action Toolkit, which is actually downloadable. And from the website, it says this was created to collate, condense, share lessons we have learned in ensuring that our direct actions are centered on healing justice. So guys, again, please let me reiterate to you that Black Lives Matter is not about Black supremacy. It's not about Black people coming after all of the white people. And even if Black people might feel a little bit more <clears throat> aggressive, like we are often Ooh. deemed, um, right now don't feel like that's anything that's personal to you we're not personally going out to attack white people we're fiercely fighting for the lives of black and brown people so please go ahead and understand that distinction now and i promise you that everything for the duration of this however long it lasts is going to make so much more sense to you yeah but please stop taking it personally because it's not a black on white issue Okay, um, this is a black on racist issue. This is a everybody on racist issue. This is an everybody against bigotry issue. This is an everybody against homophobia, transphobia, etc. issue. Okay, um, so I will go ahead and link that Black Matters, BlackLivesMatter.com. Um, I will actually probably do it with the Healing Action Toolkit as the um, link. So when you click that, it will take you there. And also if there are any bailout funds, um, GoFundMes for the families of deceased people and people who have been, you know, just, 
it's just a laundry list of things that you can do with that. I will also include a link to that as well that will take you directly to some links um, for these um, people's stories as well as um, where you can donate to their causes and to their families. So um, <laughs> on the last little leg of this, um, the next exercise we're going to do, I had an idea. And Allison, do you want to tell everybody a bit about the types of conversations that we've been having now that things are coming full circle for you in a way? Yeah, so we <laughs> we have had similar experiences um, with jobs and with some, um, you know, a few different things or just we've had experiences mm -hmm. they are not similar no. i think is the the problem mm -hmm. um so your experience with a particular group was terrible mm -hmm. whereas my experience has for the most part been really good mm -hmm. so um we've been talking about those and just like i wanted to go back and revisit them to be like oh i'm sorry mm -hmm. i didn't realize the impact that this had on here mm -hmm. or i didn't put uh, more weight behind what you were saying mm -hmm. um, and to just go back and to be more open to hear what you had to say now. Can you tell the honeybees just a little bit more without giving them everything? But okay, so this particular situation, I don't really think that the context matters necessarily as much as I was wronged in a situation that Allison would not have been wronged. And um, the way that Allison responded to that made sense, but it made sense in the effect that Allison could not relate to where I was coming from. Yeah. So from her perspective, it might've just seemed like I was harping on something that was inconvenient or that wasn't so good. Yeah. But now understanding more of the psychology behind the way that I might've been otherwise yeah. treated in similar situations, the same situation and ways that she would have been treated yeah. in the same situation or similar situations were very different. Yeah. So it's not until hearing stories from other people, reading stories about things that have happened and and her eyes being open to other people's experience, especially black people and brown people's experiences, has it come full circle. And it was like, oh, shit. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 It I, Like just opening my eyes to that covert racism or in this in some instances, like very obvious racism mm -hmm. uh, to that you experienced that I was a witness to and didn't realize at the time because mm -hmm. I wasn't educated enough to see that mm -hmm. or even didn't want to see it, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, so revisiting those conversations, having those, like, I didn't do enough then, like, do, do I need to react more strongly now? Mm -hmm. Um, and just asking for your, your opinion on that mm -hmm. and your <laughs> forgiveness on that mm -hmm. as a whole, because, I I fucked up in that yeah. situation, and that was a point of contention for us for a yeah. for like a couple years, and like for probably a few years. I feel like now I'm kind of getting to a nice little equilibrium around you know the remnants of what yeah. that situation would have um, would have created for us or whatever. But um, it did make me feel a lot better that you were like wow, like I didn't realize yeah. the way that this was. I'm sorry. Like, and you know, we had a conversation that was about that. And of course, like at that point, it 
I, I was able to process a lot of that on my own mm-hmm. and it was really really difficult because of course like when you get married you want somebody that's going to be like in your corner no matter what and I understand on one point like I can empathize with like your position in the situation and how that might have been uncomfortable like uncomfy for you like at the time versus the fact that like it, it just it was not good for me yeah. mentally for being in the situation for the impact that it had on my relationship and kind of what happened between us like as a result of that um so it did feel really really good for you to acknowledge that and to apologize and to open up a dialogue about that now that it's in hindsight and even to kind of formulate an action plan going forward where you're like well is there something that i need to change where this still standing situation Mm -hmm. is concerned um and you know i'm so just us being able to have that conversation felt really really good to me um and even moving forward having more of a plan of solidarity um will also be a good thing but girl I'm telling you like it's something different when when they black like you thought you was like ooh, it's a girl of color because she's Mexican and I'm like she looks like a tan white girl bitch she don't know shit like you know what Mm. (laughs) her hair is not kinky I don't want to hear it so um you know that that's that's that was nice and I really appreciated that so today while I was cleaning of course like I've written down so many different ideas for podcast episodes we're going to be featuring other people and have other people on and have conversations that are similar to this um but I do want to say like it is also a very unique space to be in an interracial marriage with all of this going on because there is still such a divide with everybody Mm -hmm. and how white people are still feeling really like tight-lipped about it or like aggressively racist about it (laughs) um or just uncomfortable and trying to feel their way through what goes on and even in the black community like it's a lot of like if you're not loving our black kings and queens like you're not really black if it's not black I'm not about it so then there's even still separation within our respective communities because of like our partners yeah and there really are black people that are out there that like in their lives they're just like I want to spend my like my money with black people only I only want to be with black people I only want to be around black people because I truly I truly feel that those are the only people that understand me respect me and value me the way that I could see respect and value them yeah where I'm just like I feel like you can still have that experience with everybody it doesn't just have to be with black people and also black people have not always been like the kindest to me like I have always through my entire life felt separated like I was not black enough y'all hear what I sound like y'all know how I sound you can hear the sound of my voice this shit is like nails on a chalkboard to some black people especially if we move from one place to another people were confused about why my voice sounds the way that it does why I speak the way that I do and we don't even have to get into the type of media that I consume and things like that I was just different but of course that will be another podcast episode we got something lined up that's going to be really enlightening for you guys later so make sure you stay (laughs) tuned okay um but so it's just really really different being in this space and I actually got an email that I want to read to you guys um from Cookie and this is Cookie (laughs) that's what Cookie says that her name is in the email so I'm gonna call Cookie 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 (laughs) Cookie Cookie Okay, so Cookie says, Hi, I'm actually a 50-year-old black woman that is from a Southern Christian family. Dad is, slash was, a preacher, mom, the first lady of the church. Grew up listening 
<clears throat> listening and learning on how to survive in white America. I've dated white women, but never intended on taking them around my family. I have now fallen in love with a super sexy, smart, gorgeous, adorable white woman. Now I have to tell her, um, yeah, so my family is not that fond of white people. So I can't take you home. It's a shitty feeling. I'm out to my family and I'm taking black women home. They finally accepted me and my lifestyle. However, they have never seen me with a white woman. Have you had anyone else with this race issue? Help. How do I take the love of my life home to meet my parents? Hmm. And then signed, super grown ass woman who's still scared of her mama. Oh. So, Cookie, I feel you. I responded to Cookie's email earlier today um, just with some words of encouragement. But... Cookie's just gonna have to have a tough conversation. Cookie's gonna have to have a couple of tough conversations. Yeah. And Cookie's gonna have to talk to, you know, her little white macadamia chocolate chip and say, hey, babe, check it out. So just so you know, this is what my parents, this is their mentality. These are their beliefs. This is the way that they feel. And this is the way that they are probably going to feel about our relationship. And at that point, Cookie's partner can decide, okay, I'm cool with that. Let's face that head on. I'm not cool with that. I don't want to be subjected to that energy. Mm-hmm. Or maybe after some conversation, we can slowly try to introduce, you know, me to them and get to know one another or whatever. And Cookie's also going to have to have a conversation with Cookie's parents because. What? Okay. <laughs> Allison was just like looking around and I'm just like, what is it? Are we okay? So Cookie's also going to have to have a conversation with her parents. And that conversation is going to have to look like, look, I have fallen in love with somebody. I know the way that you might feel about this, but this is what it is. And from here, everybody has a choice. And that choice can either be we can be friends and we can be great and be hunky dory. You can choose to ignore or not be a part of my life at that capacity, but know that that's going to limit the interactions we can have Mm -hmm. with one another. Or, you know, if Cookie's parents don't respond so well to that, Cookie's got to decide between a relationship with her parents and a relationship with this person that Cookie has called the love of her life. So what would you do if it was you in this situation? If your parents were absolutely like, we do not like black people, do not bring a black person home. We're not about that. You and me fell in love. What are your next actions? Um, oh, uh, so I'd probably ter- tell my parents that, hey, I fell in love with a black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I would ask if they would be willing to meet her. Um, if they said no, then I guess that relationship's over. Not the relationship with the woman. With my relationship with my parents, because I'm not going to stand by and allow that to dictate who I can or cannot mm-hmm. love. Um and I feel like it might be a would have been a woke up a wake up call for them because mm-hmm. you know I'm the favorite and <laughs> uh, you know if they just couldn't talk to me anymore I feel like it would really upset them mm-hmm. until they either you know came around and understood how to be fucking nice mm-hmm. and accepting or we just didn't talk anymore. Right. So and the funny thing is, like on the other side of that spectrum, with black people. Like leaving your family alone is not really an option that many black people consider. Like it's just kind of a part of our culture that like your parents are alpha and omega, no matter what, like even if it's not something that they want to see, you try to shrink to fit into their boxes of conformity because at the end of the day, if you don't have anybody else, you have your family and you would also be a race trader because, oh yeah, won't you go over there with you and 
your honky wife and her honky parents and be over there with them because you don't love us because oh they better than us oh you uppity now huh like shit like that happens like my parents have both said things like that to me like to that effect well that's what i was about to ask is how did you deal with it because it's not like your parents um well it's not like so when I first met your mom, that she was openly against you dating white people or anything mm-hmm. like that. But your dad doesn't trust white people at all, Mm-mm. which fucking understandable. I don't ever like when I think about it. I don't know that I've ever known my dad to be friends with a white person. Yeah. There's one guy named Eric that I remember. I was eight years old. We lived in Jacksonville, Florida. Eric would always come down. He lived in our neighborhood and they played like PlayStation games together a lot. Mm. But I feel like Eric might have been Puerto Rican. Oh. I like he was like very fair complected, but I don't mm. know that he was white. I My understand. dad has very openly expressed like his distrust of white people. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, like it was fine with you or whatever, but like my dad is not bright and I don't talk to my dad anymore. So it really doesn't matter. And I've always let that be known. Yeah. Um, I'm also not a white man either. So true. I think that helped. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. But guys, like if y'all have any advice, if you're in an interracial pairing, um, especially like a black and white interracial pairing, and you have any advice for Cookie, email us and we can pass that along to Cookie. So Cookie, like chocolate chip, (laughs) and you can email that to info at sweetashoney.love. And I would be happy to pass those responses along to Cookie. Yeah. And Cookie, if you're listening, I hope that whatever decision that you make is an informed Mm -hmm. decision that makes you feel the most comfortable and just that as long as everybody has all the information, you're not responsible with yeah. what people decide to do with that information. Yeah, absolutely. And you can make your own decision, whether that's to include your partner, have your family and partner separated, or, you know, whatever you end up deciding to do, that's up to you because yeah. it's your life. And it doesn't make you bad. No. It doesn't make you a bad daughter. No. It doesn't make you a bad partner. It doesn't make you a bad human. It just makes a complicated situation may be a little less complicated. I think that it's very common for black people to feel like we have to spread ourselves thin mm. and do the most, even when we're trying to build our own families to mm-hmm. as a respect or paying homage or repayment even to our parents for the way that they've taken care of us or our families with the way that they've taken care of us. And um, I think it's time to kind of break that cycle. <laughs> You know, so here's your opportunity and good luck. Let us know how it turns out and what you decide. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier today, um, I was thinking while I was cleaning like a crazy person and I was like, oh my gosh, I have an idea. And this would be a really, really cool conversation for us to have, especially just talking about they treat you slash they treat me. So I wrote down on a little sticky note and I said, babe, I handed it to her. I had my headphones on because I was cleaning and I was like, honey, okay, will you do this? And basically on this sticky note, I just wrote down in four sections and I was like, write this down. If you've had a supervisor in the past, how would they have corrected your actions? How would they tell you that they wanted things to be different? Mm-hmm. If, you're white, if you had white supervisors, how often did they micromanage you? Would your supervisor and coworkers at your current or previous jobs, how would they describe you? And... Um, Have you ever had a job that you were in constant fear of losing despite not knowing why? Like your performance is up to par and you're just nervous. Just the energy that you get is nervous energy. 
So we have both, and we have not discussed this. Like I just gave her that Mm -mm. sticky note, went about my day. So this is the first time we're talking about this. So talking about your supervisor and corrective actions, how would a supervisor have approached you to say, hey, Allison, I don't like this so much. I need more of this, go. Um, uh, they use compliment sandwiches a lot. Mm-hmm. So you're doing fantastic at this. This is an area of opportunity. Once mm-hmm. again, you're doing great at this or you're an awesome leader or whatever it may be. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, other previous bosses, it would be, uh, there could have been yelling involved. Um, there, that's one particular instance that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, or just either a direct, Hey, this isn't going well, mm-hmm. um, or a passive aggressive, almost like trying to guilt me into like changing that. Mm-hmm. So like, of course you're not gonna ever hit this, or you can't do this, or like trying to turn it into a competition between me and a coworker or mm-hmm. something like that, but without addressing it directly. And how much of those interactions did they bring parts of your personality that weren't necessarily a part of what you did while you were there into the conversation? rarely okay so interesting like i don't know or i don't remember times that like Mm -hmm. i feel like i might swing on somebody if they were to yell at me in the workplace but um supervisor corrective actions for me have been usually passive Mm -hmm. um, mentioning a broad issue without specific examples Mm -hmm. so they have a problem with something but they don't like really like know what it is um And then I remember I worked for a collections agency for 10 days or it might have been eight days. I think it was eight days. Exactly. And like, you know, you would call you. There was a quota that you had. to Yeah. Like I needed money. And my mom was really like, get the fuck out of my house because like, I hate you. So, um, well, it was the truth. Like she was sick of my shit. I don't know why. Anyway, um, (laughs) and I remember like specifically being like, I'm trying so hard to meet my quota and meet my numbers. And my white supervisor kept pulling me aside being like, how come you're not playing the games with everyone? Like you're not playing that we're gonna have to let you go because you're not playing the games. So basically, while everybody was on a call, like all of us had our cubicle set up and you would have like different games that you could play. So, um, you know, if you were able to close out like a call within so much time or something like that, you know, they were incentive bonuses that you could get based on whatever part of the game it was. Uh And you could choose to participate or not to. So me knowing that that was optional, I was like, okay, not let me make sure that I understand my job before I go trying to add extra shit onto it. And that was a problem. Um, I've been told like I'm too loud and I'm just like, okay, like I'm too loud, like answering the phone. I'm just too loud in general. Like I what? Yeah. Um, and all of my white supervisors, with the exception of one, have made at up uh, comments about my attitude if I wasn't just being like cheery, like, oh my gosh, hi, hi everyone. Like maybe I was tired. Yeah. There's been times where I've worked two or three jobs at a time. My periods kick my ass. Like I'm a human being. I'm mm-hmm. not always happy a hundred percent of the time. And I was also living with um undiagnosed depression, anxiety at the time. So um if I was not laughing and being like happy and super fucking chipper, there was always an issue with my attitude at any time when my actions needed to be corrected. My attitude would account for easily eighty to ninety percent of what people had an issue with while I was working, especially my white supervisors. Mm. So the next thing says, with white supervisors, um, did you experience a lot of micromanagement with them? Um, yes and no. Like, okay, for the most part, no. Okay. Now. Okay. 
Um, with the exception of like, uh, there's been a time where I've been told when and where to be for an extended period of time. And that's what I need to be doing, mm-hmm. um, which was not the case before. And I was very taken aback by mm-hmm. that approach. Right. Um, because it's the opposite of everything I've experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other time that that's happened, um, was in a previous job and they, uh, like every minute of every day I had to communicate or take a picture of something to show that it was done um, in our team's group me or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I really did not enjoy that. But mm-hmm. those are the only two instances that I can really think of when mm-hmm. it comes to that. And do you feel like that micromanagement was always directed towards specifically your job or your um, your job tasks, like your duties at work? Yes. Okay. Um, I've been micromanaged before, um, probably 100% of the time. And it's not always relative to my work performance. Um, A lot of my micromanagement has been I worked at Ross Mm -hmm. and I am tattooed and I've had like way less tattoos then. And I've got two little teeny tiny tattoos Mm -hmm. behind my ears. And my hair was very short at the time. My supervisor, who is actually a black woman, and then we can also like we'll get into like internalized racism and like self-hatred in a minute. But she was a black woman. She hated me um, because of something that was not even relative to work. This was a completely interpersonal thing that happened with her and a relative of mine, but she took it out on me. Oh. And um, yeah, she would like come. I worked in the stock room and she would come back into the like there are no customers in the stock room and of course like after she started to make it a big deal about these and start like writing me up for not having band-aids over this teeny tiny tattoo of hearts on my hand and the two little tiny tattoos behind my ear she wanted me to cover them with band-aids and she would come back into the stock room and like specifically come into my working space like in my bubble to come and see if I had tattoos on or not I mean to see if I had band-aids covering my tattoos so I would actually go to like the dollar store or something like that and go get like those big like dumb superhero band-aids I was like well if I have to buy band-aids like I'm gonna get the band-aids that I want so I would get like incredible Hulk band-aids and like Captain America band-aids because it was obnoxious and definitely drew more attention to (laughs) you know I was like a little (laughs) shitty and like you know 20 year old at that point but fuck her um and you know I was just like oh you want a nitpick like we can do this that's fine like I'll get a fucking band-aid you can't miss but like everybody else that I've ever worked with has micromanaged me and again like it's not always relative to my work performance I worked for a company where my supervisor could come in high as shit like high like pain pills high like high you don't know she doesn't know where she is I don't know how she made it there high um and like eyes rolling around in her head she doesn't know anything that's going on or anything like that and she would it was always something with her I was always too loud after she told me that like the sound of my laughter scared her I came in put my headphones on she went to her boss and told him I was ignoring her after that situation happened I tried to go to said boss and both of these people are white and say hey you know because I already know what's going on like with this I'm like she is trying to like get my ass out of here like I don't know why I don't know what she has against me whatever but you know, I'm going to him like, hey, I would like to talk to you about what's going on because it's come to me even from another source. It's not re- relative. They're not in this department about what's going on. I'd like to talk to you about that. He told me, yes, I was fired before we had that conversation. I did not feel safe enough in the company that I worked at to even reach out to their human resources department. Again, 
And when she fired me, we sat down and had a conversation even after hours where I was passionate and told her exactly what I thought about her and of that department and how she needed to take care of the other people that I worked with because of their concerns. But also I specifically asked her, did this have anything to do with my work performance? And she definitively, definitively told me it did not, that I quote, just didn't fit into the culture of the area back there. Um, so I'm all, sometimes I'm too assertive or too aggressive or too loud in the critiques that I've gotten in the micromanagement. So it was more about policing um, my attitude, policing my personality more than it was policing what I was doing for the company, for the department, for what I did there. Yeah. Okay. Um, supervisor and coworker description. So how would your supervisor, current, present, whatever, um, current or past and coworkers describe you? Um, hardworking, knowledgeable, mm-hmm. uh, damn good, occasionally mm-hmm. commits a hustle foul, mm-hmm. um, a natural leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think those are, those are a good list. Okay. And it's really, really interesting that all of the things that you said were positive, right? So I've got a positive list and I have a critical list of the things that I've heard the most. Uh-oh from where I've worked. So on the positive, similarly to you, cheerful, hardworking, efficient, creative, aware, fast learner, eager, an asset, warm and fuzzy. I had a boss, it was my favorite job that used to call me warm and fuzzy all the time. She was like, Tiffany's our warm and fuzzy person. She would always want anything customer facing. I always went to like go and recruit new people to do stuff. She always pushed me out to go and talk to the parents. She would just be like, okay, well I can just handle all the rest of this shit. Like you just go be cute and give them the information that they need because you can command their attention. They'll listen to you. They like you and they also respect you. Like they like you, they might be a little afraid of you, but they want you to like them back. So they're going to do what you want yeah. them to do. Dependable, uh, communicative, intelligent, funny, helpful, um, a people person. And then critical, always the same. Moody, something about my quote, attitude, always from white people. Doesn't fit in with the culture, also from another white boss. And she's ignoring me from another white boss. So when it's critical, again, it doesn't really have, like, I've never been called lazy at a job. I've never, you know, and of course, like when I was a teenager, sure, like I would be like tardy, you know, and that would be like a thing. Same. But performance wise, it was never an issue. I would just hop my ass up, do what needed to be done, you know, and try to do better. But just timeliness for 17, 18, 19, it just was not in my forte like now yeah. like i'm never you know as an adult Same. like late for work but as a teenager like we all have to learn it no from up until like three and a half years ago mm-hmm. i would still consistently toddy like not quite tardy enough to get in trouble but just right but on like right yeah. on to, like a minute later yeah than, mm-hmm. like going 95 down the interstate to make sure i made it on time See? Yeah. And meanwhile, I would just be like, oh, I would have been there 20 minutes early today, but I'm stuck behind a train. Here's a picture of the train. Here is exactly where my GPS is telling me that I am and how long yeah. it was telling me I was supposed to be there. Because I don't want to be in situations like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no. shit, I'm, I'm already the darkest one up in this bitch. No, like- I get that. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Like, sure. if your supervisor corrected your, um, I don't know, corrected something. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, I had someone tell me this was back when I worked at the movie theater like Mm -hmm. in college right and so I was working in the concession stand Mm -hmm. and they'd ask me or like hey you need to get your add-ons up Mm -hmm. or you need to make sure that they're going for those medium and large drinks like that you ask them if they want those Mm -hmm. but they wouldn't give me any training on how to go about that Mm -hmm. 
Um, so if I just responded with, you know, hey, do you want to get a medium instead? Mm-hmm. And the customer would be like, no. Then I'd be like, well, I did what you fucking asked me and mm-hmm. I'm still not getting results. Like, So what's your question? So my question is, how often has it happened to you that a supervisor tries to correct your behavior but doesn't give you any helpful feedback to be able to actually correct that not a time that I can think of I'm sure it probably happened when I was in my adolescence yeah but I've always been self-aware enough to know that if I have a like I can usually anticipate changes like that I would go to meetings so then I was under you know I understood what was happening even if it wasn't necessarily a department that I was a part of Uh like I was not a brown noser but like I was really really good and the more that I knew especially with like with my job at um, the place that I was just talking talking about where I was the warm and fuzzy person yeah I was always with the director of my department I was up under her all the time Mm -hmm. so there was things that nobody else knew about that I knew I was able to go when they switched over their point of sale system like the complete system I knew how to program the buttons in the system um so you know I was always there but my thing is if I have a communicative supervisor it works well for me Mm. because I can ask for what I need. Hey, I've noticed that we've got X, Y, and Z a problem. So in order to prevent X, Y, and Z, because we want, you know, A, B, and C to be the result of that, what do you suggest that we do about this? Okay. So a lot of the times it was anticipation more than them having to correct me on something. And I'll be the first one to ask for help if I need it. So I didn't really get a lot of that type of Hmm. criticism, but I also do a really good job teaching people how to lead me. If that makes sense. It does. I do a really good job of saying, hey, I need this. I've noticed this doesn't work. What about this system? This needs to be organized. Whatever. Yeah. And that makes sense. But I also think that it speaks to your experience to begin with. Because Mm -hmm. I was literally, while you were talking, sitting here thinking, okay, so... If I had a job where the supervisor didn't automatically see what an asset I was going to be Mm -hmm. or didn't automatically like me or didn't, you know, just see my potential, Mm -hmm. I would shut down Mm -hmm. and didn't want to participate as much. Whereas I feel like you constantly and correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. um, And I, you know, obviously this isn't for all black people, but you have to start out with those conversations to begin with and, um, you don't get that same that's just I feel like that's another example of the white privilege that Mm -hmm. I've had is I expect you to like me and Mm -hmm. I expect you to see my potential and when you don't cool we're done right and like to an extent but I also don't feel like the especially like with the last job that I had yeah and that ended up being a shit show but with the last job that I had specifically you and I had talked about because of what happened at the previous place of employee like what I was looking for when I was ready to go back and even in the interview process I was able to say you know they're just like oh is there anything else that you want from me so instead of now me feeling like I'm being interviewed where I am at this point in my life those would be conversations these would be consultations like what are y'all bringing to the table how much you know you can tell me about like the job description and the pay I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna be willing to do Mm -hmm. I'm gonna tell you what I'm able to do and I'm gonna tell you my expectations of you and if that works this will be great if that doesn't work then that's fantastic. And what happens a lot of the time in those conversations is that I'm lied to yeah. because they paint a different picture than what they're actually able to uphold. But I'm just like, willing, if we've, not exactly. even, it's not an able thing. It's a willing. Exactly. So while you're running around, letting your cousin run around and run amok. And while you're muck, letting muck, all muck. these white people run amok and this white woman done cuss somebody out the other day and it's 
you know, clients, patients, customers, whoever in here to overhear this and for her to be allowed to return to this edifice the next day, that's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. And for me to come in, yes, I'm going to speak my piece because we're a team of people that have like coming and going like, but there were like... Yeah three people that were constantly there and I went to her and I said you came in here and showed your whole ass the other day Mm -hmm. what is going on with you and I didn't care like my you know our supervisor was right there she wasn't technically an employee I wasn't worried about it but I'm just like what are you doing here you came in here and showed your whole ass like you should not be allowed to be back in here Mm -hmm. and she started to yell and lose her shit and I'm just like whoa 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 like you're not gonna talk to me crazy like that like all I'm doing is asking like what is going on so the expectations can be managed when what should have happened was there should be zero tolerance for that but I was constantly expected to when somebody needed to be sick somebody just wasn't coming we weren't sure if so and so and such and such was coming back despite the fact that I would just think if you have a policy that says if somebody doesn't show up it's a no call no show that their ass is fired but you're giving them 17 chances and trying to set other traps for giving them other reasons to I don't Mm. know how that works I'm just like I need freedom and I need like some rigidity in some places and I need to be left the fuck alone to do what I need to do in other places and if I need you please you have to be able to trust that I'm going to come to you. But it wasn't a job that was worth micromanaging. I was just like, leave me alone. Like you can hear me answer the phones because your phones aren't ringing. That's why you haven't heard them ring all day because I've been up here. I've got 19 calls on hold. What do you need? You don't need to be up here. And you can't get anybody else to answer a single phone call. Exactly. But you know, it just got to the point where I was like, that's enough. I don't even get paid enough to do this shit to begin with. But now that there's more added onto my plate, not only is it a problem that it's so much added onto my plate without acknowledgement but sometimes I'll get a note that's like thanks I'm just like that needs to be reflected in my pay right and for her because I know that she was making a like a few dollars more than I was you know and it just yeah yeah (laughs) you know you kind of get used to what you're used to seeing and then you let people know what you're going to bring to the table and if they don't perform then you just have to go right and like I don't know. Like, I feel like people of color and especially black people have to work Mm -hmm. so much harder to be seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just ridiculous. Like, even within my company, like looking at our leadership, um, it's, you know, very whitewashed and very male based. Mm -hmm. And so trying to like I was going through my list of people, I can only think of one, um, you know, one person of of color that represents the feminine side of things Mm -hmm. right that uh is on my leadership team Mm -hmm. um you know that that's ridiculous Mm -hmm. and what's the point Mm -hmm. and the the problem is when we bring up these people for you know interviews where i'm like hey this person needs to be considered or Mm -hmm. we need to do this or whatever the words that you just talked about being the critical things that your um, mm-hmm. co-workers and stuff they would say. They have an attitude. They, they do have this. An, yep, they, they have mm-hmm. an attitude. Um, you know, they're too aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, they. It's clear they don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, like all of these different things that have been pinpointed on you guys mm-hmm. and isn't the case. I just don't understand Mm -hmm. and trying to change that verbiage and take it out of even like the feedback that I provide Mm -hmm. has seemed has proven to be a little difficult because it's just so deeply ingrained in the Mm -hmm. way that I think and process and so like if I have a new hire that comes through class who happens to be a woman of color not labeling them or like especially the males not labeling them as aggressive Mm -hmm. right 
um, they're like, you know, how can you turn that into a positive word? Mm-hmm. They're assertive, right? right? They're go-getters. Right. Um, he's not going to wait to be told what, what needs to happen. Takes initiative. Or, uh-huh. yeah. Or if it's a, a woman of color mm-hmm. being able to <laughs> not say that they have an attitude when they came to work today, but rather they sit back. But specifically, say more about their disposition. Right. And how is that relative to their work? Because when you use that language, right. you're not focused on the appropriate thing for yeah. the setting that you're in. Right. As a white employee, as a white coworker or colleague or supervisor, it's your job to be concerned with the way that they are handling, you mm-hmm. know, your business, whatever goods you're trying to sell, whatever yeah. services you're trying to sell. But it's not about policing who it is that no. they are. And I, I've just always, that's why I do creative work because yeah. I don't feel safe. I don't feel seen. Yeah. I don't feel heard. I don't feel valued. Yeah. in these super white spaces where I'm not gonna ever be anything except for you know I'm argumentative or I'm right. angry but like I'm or opinionated I'm passionate yes I'm opinionated yes I'm gonna tell you that but that doesn't mean that I'm gonna treat everybody yeah. else with disrespect because I'm frustrated right but I also need for you to be in my corner and when something happens and somebody comes to you and says oh well that black girl that's upstairs has got an attitude or whoever the black girl is that answers the phone is this or that or whatever mm. you have Mm-hmm. to be able to back me because yep. we have a rapport and because you trust yep. me because it, I'm, it's not just me you know of course I'm thinking about like the brand and I'm thinking about that and of course like when people have to go back and say complimentary things about me to my supervisor that makes me feel good right but you also have to think about what's going to happen because everybody's not going to like the tone no. everybody's not going to like how direct I'm being about that and you have to consider those things for where it is that you are and respond appropriately right um so it can't just always be about you know our attitude or our disposition or you presuming something like that because how many times do you take that same person to the side and say hey man what's going on i noticed that your energy feels a little different than it did yesterday if it's anything i can help you with or if you need to talk i can carve some time out for you let me know because you never know what's going on well and that's the exact thing and that like i have an example and i came home and told you about this it was before chris I think Mm -hmm. and about how specifically a black woman I noticed her disposition change when we started talking about what trainers should do Mm -hmm. and so afterwards I said hey will you stick around for a second and I just sat there for a minute and I said hey you know I noticed that your facial expressions changed and Mm -hmm. you started to shut down after this happened Mm -hmm. you know can you this is a safe space Mm -hmm. can you please share with me what you know happened? how many times that's happened for me? Exactly fucking zero. But the only reason I did that is because of things that you, yeah. I learned from you and just my I, being more educated and aware of what was going on. Mm-hmm. And had how that, did that conversation turn out for you? <laughs> she had complete faith in me. Mm-hmm. It was a fantastic conversation. It mm-hmm. was open, honest. She was very direct. Mm-hmm. But I listened mm-hmm. to what she had to say which made her feel heard and seen mm-hmm. and safe enough to go back into, you know, the training environment when she left my class mm-hmm. to know that she was going to be protected, cared for, looked after, visible, heard, that her voice actually mattered mm-hmm. and that there would be, you know, repercussions for the person that had been in the wrong. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. I so, know the situation you're talking about. So with that in mind, last question. Okay. Have you ever had a job where you were in constant fear of losing it, despite the fact that everything you can think about with your performance has been what you have been expected to do? 
So have you ever just been like you just go into work and you're like, I don't have a good feeling about this. And I don't even know how to tell you why I just don't have a good feeling that this is gonna. No, not for real. No. I have felt like that with maybe more than half Hmm. of the jobs that I've had before. So I don't know that I've told you this before, but um, (laughs) when I worked for another job back in 2012, I quit a job without warning. The boss that I had, I've never thought that she was a bright person. Mm -hmm. She wasn't. I felt like she antagonized me a lot. I felt like she was always kind of like calling me out when we had staff meetings. And there was always like so much more that I needed to be doing, despite the fact that I was there for like an entire two days of the week, even though it was 24 hours. It was like the nighttime hours. Like, but she she was so critical of me always. Um, I felt like I was always feeling targeted and harassed and criticized by her. And I remember there was this one weekend that she kept calling or like maybe it was a Monday or a Friday and she kept calling me like she kept calling me and it was like 7 p.m. Like it was 7 p.m. in like the summertime because it was still light outside, but it was like dusky. And I was at Kroger, I remember. And she just kept calling. And like I answered the phone and she was like demanding that I meet with her. She was like, we need to go to headquarters. You need to meet with me, blah, 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 blah. And I did not like that energy. And I was like, no, I'm not going to meet with you today. I'm not going to meet with you tomorrow. I'm not going to meet with you again at all because I quit. And I hung up. And that was the last time I spoke with her. I don't give a shit. Like, I don't care. It was too much. It was abusive. It was an abuse of her power. I did not appreciate it. It was done. I was like, this is finished. And I don't know, like, I had the feeling that she was going to fire me anyway. I don't know why, but I just had the feeling. And I was like, I don't like your energy. I'm definitely not going to walk back into this shit. And I could not even have been making $12 an hour at this job in 2012. So I was like, fuck it, we're done. And I didn't quit a job that I planned to. uh, (laughs) And I should have. And I was fired four days later. I was fired four days after that. Um, The former supervisor did not ever cite work performance as a reason for my termination from the job. Again, like it was just not fitting into the culture. And I use that example a lot because that's been something in my adult life. Like I wasn't an adolescent. I wasn't like a young, you know, a young 20 something like this is like now, (laughs) you know, like this has been like the last like five years. And, you know, I should have left when I had that feeling. But I've had many jobs where I've just been like the energy in here is not kosher I am not something about this does not feel right to me and then I literally am just anxious until eventually something happens and that's what goes on and almost every last one of those has been with the white supervisor Hmm. when I worked in real estate my broker and I had like the most dramatic breakup of all time I think I still had the emails and it was just wildly unprofessional um I worked for somebody that was wildly unprofessional and um just some of the things that I witnessed in this person's treatment of other people were really unsavory. And, you know, I was like, I would be stupid, even though I feel really, I'm close to this person, but I'm not always right beside this person. And this person's always close with that person. And I know things about that person that that person probably doesn't want me to know and definitely would not have signed off on, you know, the broker telling me about because we're not close I don't need to know their business and of course I wouldn't say anything you know back to that person or to anybody else but I was like I would be stupid to think that the same thing wasn't happening and once again I was in a situation where I was dependent on this person and this person wanted me to be dependent on them this person had actually convinced me come over here and if you do this for me you can quit your full-time jobs and then I can make sure that real estate is easier for you I can Mm -hmm. hand some stuff down for you and I'm gonna be backing off of doing so and so and such and such with my um 
my repeat customers, you know, my repeat clients. And I'm going to, you know, start to pass some of those off to you. And, you know, they're going to be this and they're going to be that. And it never happened. And I lost my apartment. <laughs> this is right around the time that I met my now wife. But, yeah. you know, you and I started talking like right after that happened. And I had to move out of my apartment, break my lease, move in with a stranger that was renting a room and sell a bunch of my shit, you know, because I had like an entire furnished apartment and it really fucked me up. So it was a really strange time for me to be going like, wish we could have met two days, you know, a couple weeks sooner. You could have come down here and seen that I had somewhere to live on my own before we were... <laughs> but now do you want to come hang out with me in my bedroom please don't mind the owner of the house like screeching for her son that's what she always does it's how they communicate it's fine I know it's disgusting in here that's why I stay in this room I cleaned the bathroom before you came I'm very sorry um you know so that was a, a fun time and it is what it is you know sometimes you take a risk and that's what you do but also I just feel like it's so important to have conversations like this because these are not the things that you hear a lot in these experiences just the direct juxtaposition between your experience and my experience and the color of your skin and the color of my skin and your disposition and my disposition yeah yeah so yeah. I don't know it, me neither it's like it's very eye-opening to do these kind of exercises and like I really it it makes me very uncomfortable but Mm -hmm. it's the kind of discomfort that needs to be happening for all white people right now so that's why I feel so like passionately about using this platform for that it just felt really kind of gross to come back to being like hey you guys like we're so cute and like we're back and we're gonna talk about today we had sriracha and it was Great for me, not so great for Allison because she doesn't like the spice. (laughs) You know, we're like, we need to like talk about these things. So like, how can we be? And that's why it's taken us so long to come back because I've just been like, how can we still be us but bring attention to these things? So that's kind of going to be our. Yeah, these are the conversations we're going to have. Exactly. Different experiences exactly and i'm trying my very best to be a good ally to you Mm -hmm. and to be a good ally to my co-workers especially Mm -hmm. because i feel like the position i'm in i have the ability to make changes actually happen Mm -hmm. um and to just start from there Mm -hmm. so i i don't know i'm i'm trying i still have a whole lot to learn we all do. I mean, like, just because I'm black doesn't mean that I am the expert on all of this. I'm the expert in my experience because right. I've been through it. I'm the expert in the way that I've navigated the situations that I have because they were my situations to be in. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that I know everything about blackness. I can just tell you about my experience. And there are some right. things that are very clearly right and wrong to me. And there are a fuck ton of gray areas that it's not as easy and you know I mean we've got each other to lean on for that because shit I got your back too I'm not gonna let anybody be like oh yeah well harass thinking that she can blah 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 and I'd be like whoa 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 slow your roll because what she's doing is advocacy she's coming at, to you or coming at you rather from a place of love and trying to support you so no you're not not that we've run into a situation like that but Mm-mm. I'm gonna just let you know right now don't come for my wife because I, I will stab you in the kneecap like don't do it I won't really stab you. At the same time, if I do something wrong, like y'all got to tell me. Right. Like, (laughs) or I have to be self-aware enough to realize not to do that in the first place, Mm -hmm. which is where, where I'm at right now. Right. And I think that you do a really, really good job of that 
<laughs> I also try to check in a lot too. Yeah, like, you babe, do. is this okay? Like, how does this make you feel? Right. I've been thinking this. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And that's okay. And I really appreciate your sensitivity to the fact that, like, you know, you're always really vocal about the fact that it's not you know, my job to teach you everything. But at the same time, like I'm a built in resource for you. Like if you want to have those conversations, I'm never going to be like, oh, I just I'm so exhausted. I don't want to talk about this with you. I'm always here for you. Yeah. If there is a perspective that I can offer or should I can be like, let me ask my brother. Let me ask my other friend that's like a brother to me. Let me ask Liv. Let me you know, if you just need other people, you know, that know you love you trust you and embrace you because of your relationship to me or whatever that could still offer a perspective that's helpful for you and i know everybody doesn't have that and oh well i don't know what to tell them like there's resources that are out there if you want to ask questions you want my opinion you can ask for them you can email me my inbox is always open (laughs) yeah like i know my mom gets so nervous to ask you things Mm -hmm. or like my mother is like terrified y'all to offend tiffany (laughs) And she has been since, like, the day that they met. Yeah. Um, and she's always just so careful and wants to make sure that you know that you are loved and appreciated and respected. Mm-hmm. And uh, But now, like, I have to get to the point where I'm like, Mom, if you have a question, you either Google it, mm-hmm. you read a book. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't answer it, then you ask me and <laughs> you ask Tiffany. Like, you're mm-hmm. not, like, the cool part is, and what I, you know, I understand this isn't everybody's mentality, um, but you provide a safe space for mm-hmm. us to ask these questions, yeah. um, which I greatly appreciate. I had no idea about curl patterns and mm-hmm. was like, babe, what the hell is 4B and 4C? Like, I understand <laughs> that it has to do with people's hair, but yeah, I don't know. we had a hair know. lesson. It and was like, like last week, wasn't it? Yeah. And like, I could, you know, if you weren't here, I would just Google it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I, but I never want you to feel like it's your responsibility to educate myself or my family yeah. or friends or coworkers or anything like mm-hmm. that which is why I'm trying to take the initiative to read all of these books myself. Mm -hmm. And then like, I'll write down some questions that I have to follow up on and be like, babe, I read this. What do you think about Mm -hmm. this? Like if I implement this into here, how do we go about this? And I've asked your opinion on several things that have been work related Mm -hmm. so that I can make it a safer place for people. Right. Yeah. Because I want them to know that I, you know, I'm sorry that it's whitewashed right now, Mm -hmm. but that's not how it's going to stay as long as I have something to do with it. Mm -hmm. And I'm constantly working to try to get a more diverse. Yeah. I was just going to say even playing field at this point Uh, because it's not. Mm -hmm. Um, And it hasn't been an even playing field for me, but I've had more of a leg up than you ever would. Mm -hmm. So 100%. So how can I use my position to make it a better workspace for everyone involved. That's allyship. That's allyship, you guys. Are y'all are y'all here? Do you hear that? That's the sound of an ally. You're doing great. That's awesome. Because what you're not trying to do is to um, make black people like props. In uh, your mission, you are not um, engaging in tokenism. You're, you know, where you're just like selectively picking and choosing and you just got like one little token prop that, you know, you can lean on. And this is like my black person. Oh, yeah, we've got one black person in leadership. And I did that like, la, 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 la. That's that's, what this is. Instead of it's just like pure altruistic advocacy. And that's what it means to be an ally to black people. And that it's not just like, oh, yeah, well, I just I don't see color. That's a problem. We can talk about it. Um, You know, but it's just like I do see color. And the problem with the color is that ain't none of it fucking in a gradient among 
along where like people are visible and in our leadership and things like that we yeah. do need that yes i do see you as a black person because yeah. that is what you are like i'm not fucking colorblind yeah. that's stupid i see you but we need more of that representation <sighs> yeah and to just and make we need it... to be able to helpfully develop you into what it is that you need to be and just you know despite and because of our nuances yeah so yeah, yeah i'm with you uh even just making like wearing headscarves to work normalized like i don't Mm -hmm. understand why that's so it's so it's considered unprofessional Mm -hmm. like i know specifically someone uh that has not been hired for a specific job because they wore a head wrap during their interview Mm -hmm. process yeah when that person would have been perfect for the job yep if if you're listening to this this is the conversation we just had like earlier this week is it (laughs) about the head wrap yeah oh i Um, just think it's stupid like i don't under whatever uh white people suck i'm sorry y'all we're working on well some of us are working on it uh and i just apologize on the behalf of everyone Mm. for now but that's okay you don't have to apologize on behalf of all white people all that you are responsible for is you and your vessel you're trying to educate you're being a good ally you're educating yourself you're happy to share your knowledge with other people and you're really just trying to implement change in your everyday life we're having those discussions you're not shying away from that discomfort and that's Mm. really just if everybody could like follow your example in that way we would all be better you know what i'm saying like even with me like doing more research reading the books you know what i'm saying like i've got some books to read stuff too i've got to get back into i got a whitewashed education on u.s history and world history as well so then there's still things that i have an obligation to be able to read and talk about and you know to understand better and to understand like the real version of it and not the version of it that's like kid friendly or whatever right so, you know, I mean, that that's all that it is. It's just about educate. It's so simple when you just break it down to just education and then just making some behavioral changes. That's it. It's yep. literally just cognitive behavioral therapy for being able to figure out when you are practicing racism that's been taught to you and mm-hmm. that you've been institutionalized and it's just instilled in you. It's subconscious. You're not worried about it. So what we're doing yep. when we become woke, we're awake and we're aware of these yep. things and we're going to change them. Yep. That's it. So if you're a white person listening to this and you're like i'm not racist you're wrong so just go ahead and start reading some books i've got some lit for you if you need it hit me up let me know i'll be more than happy to provide some of the uh recommendations that have been given to me by others and follow us on instagram at sweetesthoney.love like i said it is super like it, it, it could be a lot for y'all like it and that's fine if it is but we can also be sure to include like links to these books mm-hmm. and you know synopses about these books and these scripts that we're reading and just to provide you guys with that and also be sure that with the series and with the podcast from now on that you're paying attention to the description box because there's always going to be resources for you yep. guys there okay so I think that we have talked to y'all for a good hour and a half y'all got some things <laughs> to think about um and to have conversations about and you know hashtag prayers for cookie um because we, cookie of is course, gonna be hard girl i feel you <laughs> we want this to be a good situation for you but also you know reality may not dictate that but we still yeah. want it to work out well for you and your heart and for what you want so uh i think it's a good closing point for yeah. this episode we love you guys please be sure to rate us five stars make sure that you have your subscriptions on that you download the sweetest honey podcast wherever you listen we're on iHeartRadio, 
Podbean, Apple Podcast, um, Spotify, Spotify, just everywhere that you can get your podcast, we should be there. Um, and make sure that you guys follow us on Instagram at sweetesthoney.love. We're on Twitter by the same handle. And you can also email us at info at sweetesthoney.love. Once again, please do not forget to rate us five stars, five stars, five stars, five stars. <laughs> five stars and a review thanks and a review thank you so much <laughs> like and also be sure like share this information with like share this episode with somebody that needs to hear it um yes tiffany does use the f word a lot she likes it like it's like flavorful it's like you have like regular salt and then you have like seasoned salt like fuck is my seasoned salt okay oh, that's so, a good comparison yes so like it's a little zesty and if y'all need a little less zest if you want to share that with like your old ass parents like maybe yeah. i could use the word fuck one less time um but i'm definitely not gonna quiet down my voice for anybody else's comfort like that's kind of the fun of having your own platform and doing your own thing (laughs) um but yeah like please do share this i hope that you guys have some good conversations just from the topics that have been presented to you and we'll talk to you guys next time Bye. bye